When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wrapping up the day's sporting issues deep into the night, this is Extra Time on SENZ. Just after 8 o'clock, you're listening to SCNZ. Telephone numbers 0800 150 811. We will open the lines very shortly here on the programme. With you through to 9 o'clock, then we will throw it over to Ben. He's got his dart show called The Oki, and then there's a tennis show out of Australia at 10 o'clock. I've got to say, I'm a little bit weary today. It's called adrenaline fatigue, adrenaline fatigue. <laughs> I've always wanted to call the Marty Cup. I've always wanted to be involved in their own. I love my schoolboy sport. You know, anyone that's listened to me knows I'm passionate about Mount Albert Grammar School and for, um, for a whole lot of personal reasons. Um, and they were the first ever winners of the Marty Cup back in 1947. The famous pyramid base of the Marty Cup was des- was made in the woodwork shop in 1951 at Mount Albert Grammar. And I've always wanted to call it, and I was lucky enough to be given the opportunity uh, on Friday and Saturday to do the finals. It's the largest secondary schools event in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, under 15s, under 16s, under 17s, under 18s across all the different rowing classes, all the rowing classes that you see at the Olympic Games, the pairs, the single scales, the Cox Four, etc. And it sort of culminates on the final day uh, with the two big races, the under-18 eights for the girls, which is known as the Jubilee Levin Cup, which was donated by, I think, the Mayor of Levin um, after these centenary celebrations back in 1981, and it was raced on the Whanganui River. And then, of course, the Māori Cup, as I mentioned, uh, which this year was in its 76th year, and that is always set to go around about 10 to 5 on the final day. But it's a really, really busy schedule. And a lot of smaller schools ended up doing very, very well in the smaller boats. But when it comes to the fours and when it comes to the eights, it's those traditional schools, those schools that do place emphasis on rowing. And on the women's side, or the girls' side, it's Rangiruru. They are just a dynasty. They, they, they won it for the 17th time, first school in history to go first and second, which they did on Saturday afternoon. The men's race, well, there was a lot of discussion before it that it would come down to Hamilton Boys High School, the defending champions, up against St. Bede's, um, one of many great Christchurch schools in rowing, including Christ, Christchurch Boys, Um and very rarely does a race maybe live up to the hype. This did. It became the closest race in the history of the Cup with St Bede's beating Hamilton by five one-hundredths of a second. And I've got to say, it's one of the best things I've watched and one of the best things that I've had the privilege of calling. So I thought tonight that I'd get Garth Galloway on because Garth is, I want to talk about the black caps and I also want to talk about the cricket but I know that he's had family heavily involved with the rowing scene down in Christchurch and particularly with Rangiruru 
And so Garth's on the program. He joins us. Garth, good evening. Welcome. Hey, Mark. How are you? I, I never thought I'd be on a on one of your programs talking rowing. And, I'm, and I have to say, I, I'm not an aficionado, but I am passionate. No, no, but I mean, I think it was your daughter that's coached at Rangiruru in the past and also went through the school and also rode herself. But I guess the thing, you you are very familiar uh, with the Christchurch school scene down there. And when it came down to it, particularly on the women's side, it was the Christchurch schools that dominated with the likes of St Margaret's and on the boys' side, okay, Hamilton Boys High School, but it's traditionally those Christchurch schools. So what's in the water? Why are Rangiruru so good? And how important is it to that student body? Mm. Um, well, it's interesting. So, so my daughter left there in 2020. Uh, she was you know, a, a shy girl when she went there from Kashmir Primary. She'd hate me talking like this on national radio, but that's okay. I'm going to do it. Um, and, you know, she said she wanted to have a go at rowing. And she would ride her bike in from Kashmir. And anyone who knows Dyer's Pass Road in Hackthorn, there's a good, you know, it's good going downhill, but it's good grunt going up. She'd ride into school, she'd meet her friends, they'd ride up the Kurds Reach, they'd row, they'd ride back into school, they'd do a day there, and then she'd ride home again. And that was the, that was kind of the ethos. Um, and it was never questioned, she never got a bus, she never got a lift in, it was just hard work. And and I remember, Mark, actually, the first day I was reflecting on it today, you know, the first day she got onto a road bike and she met her friend, we gave her a bit of practice and we... Uh, at least my wife gave her some practice and took her across town on a road bike and got her used to it. She went down Lincoln Road, met a friend who is, you'll, you'll have seen the Vance family featuring for um, Rangi Ruru. So Nicole yep. and Lucy were both multiple gold medalists this time around. Samantha, the older sister, was, was Francesca's best friend. They met at Lincoln Road. They rode into through to Rangi through the park and the first bollard she got to her back, you know, her pack on the back court on the bollard and she was flipped off a bike and she came home with cuts and bruises and we just said, well, you're just going to have to do a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of how her rowing, you know, that, that, that was the first day and, and that's how it carried on. So, it, it, you know, you ask about the Christchurch schools. I've I, I just reflected on St. Beads' success and um, I've got a lot of mates who went through that organisation and there's a fierce rivalry. Uh, but to see them succeeding in the way that they did not long ago, I acted for St. Bede's College when uh, one of the young rowers uh, jumped onto the, you know, the where the, 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 the conveyor belt where the, um, where the bags come off on the airport. And, of course, he was sent home and St. Bede's had great problems rowing. And in the end, they sought an injunction against the school. And I, I just reflected on that, you know, six or seven years ago. And to see, and there were so many good people involved in St. Bede's rowing, it was fantastic. And to see them turn around now and win uh, both the under 18-4 and the under 18-8, I, I, I just think it's a remarkable achievement. It's incredible. St. Andrews did it a few years ago too. Uh, again, with Dale Maher doing the coaching, as you pointed out, Mark, um, and, you know, again, for the first time, they won both of those trophies a few years ago as well. So... It, you know, the, the Christchurch schools seem to have an amazing um, re resilience, a great history, but Rangi, uh, they're next level, aren't they? They're incredible. Yeah, because one thing, um, 
I had Alex Kennedy as my expert. Alex was a member of the New Zealand Eight. Brilliant. Yeah, out of um, Rangiora, and he made the Olympic team in 2016 as a member of the Eight. And one thing he noticed was that the girls were much smaller than, say, some of the other teams, slighter builds perhaps, but just so technically well drilled. And maybe that is the difference. Well, the coaching team has changed a bit since uh, my daughter left there, but she was, by comparison, tiny, and um, she medalled in the golds in the under, the Novi 8, the under 15 8, the under 16 8. They got a bronze in the 17 8, and then, of course, she was head of rowing in the final year when uh, COVID took over. But they were a much, much smaller crew than some of the other crews. Um, and you've seen, I don't know if you've seen the Vance girls, but Samantha was tiny by comparison, but they put on a lot of muscle. Yeah. Uh, Nicole is the same and Lucy, and yet Nicole's rode New Zealand under 19 last year. Uh, Lucy is exceptional. You know, and they are, they are, if you saw them in the flesh, you'd just go, how do they do it? So technique must play a huge part of it, massive part of it, mm-hmm. but also... Uh, they are phenomenally tough. You know, they know that, and I heard you talking in your commentaries a lot, and I thought you did an amazing job. It's not easy. And they go, they understand pain, and they suffer it, and they go through it, and they don't give up. Mm. And, and, you know, it's hard to coach that. Oh, no, I agree. I think it's very hard to coach. I think it's almost an inherent quality from my experiences and from being around sort of endurance-based sports. So, Rangi, the biggest rival is St Margaret's. Is, you know, you've got to have Agassiz without Sampras. Is that, is that, is that, is, is that the landscape <laughs> yep. down there? And, and what is it amongst the boys? I mean, I sort of um, get a sense that anybody in Christchurch but Christ's. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. So, in terms of the girls, um, Rangi, obviously, St Margaret's are the are the number one opposition, and St Margaret's have a great record in in, in South Island rowing and in national rowing. Um, when again, when we were involved with Rangi's program, uh, girls high was strong. And again, I think one of the things that you notice, and you talked about it a lot in your commentaries, so much of it depends on who the coaches are. So there's no coincidence that where the, the best coaches go, the schools put a program in and they perform. But they need a lot of support from parents. It's not, it, it's not a cheap sport. And I would love to see the environment being evened up even more between private schools and public schools. You know, this is a, yeah. I think it's a really important thing. And one of the thrills was to see some beads winning. Um, and, and, when, and, and Girls High were very strong a few years ago. The other school that I was really thrilled about is because our kids went through Kashmir Primary School, yeah. just utterly thrilled to see Kashmir High School meddling on a few occasions. And obviously they've put a lot of effort in, in, as well. Um, well. But the, these programs cost a lot of money. And, um, you know, you, you can see the private schools are, are at an advantage in some respects. Yeah, interesting. Kashmir, I think they have 27 in their program. I think they sent 18 athletes yeah. to the uh, Māori Regatta, and they were in nine finals. And picked but, uh, that's incre- that's an incredible achievement. And they were, you know, not that long ago for for, for a single Kashmir crew to get into an A final would have been a remarkable yeah. achievement. I mean, it always is because you know how tough those A finals are. Hmm. But to see that school, you know, that that is just it, it's a, it, you you know they. Fight against the odds. It's a remarkable achievement. It's a great school. Yeah, one thing I liked about Rangiruru, where perhaps I don't agree with maybe the way, say, Hamilton Boys High do things, is that Rangiruru enter right through all the age groups across all the different categories. It's not just about keeping your powder dry. 
um, where I sometimes wonder whether the bigger schools, it's more a case of, well, we don't mind losing the odd battle, but we want to win the war, we want to win the Māori, or we want to win um, the Levin Jubilee Shield or the Dawn Cup or the Springbok Shield. Um, when my daughter was at Rangi, the the emphasis was, it was interesting. I always felt that the emphasis was on the underage, the lower crews. So, you know, they won the Novi rowing for, I don't know, five or six years in a row. They won the gold medal. It was an expectation that when you went into that novice crew, you would win the eight. Um, you know, in her year, they won the 15-8, they won the 16-8. And then they would struggle a bit. So 17-8, they got third. Um, they couldn't, they didn't row in the COVID year in her last year, but they wouldn't have won it. I'm absolutely sure of that. Mm. Um, and you, you know there was a real focus on that, and they have changed the focus, but they still seem to want to row strongly all the way through. And you know I, I do think those underage crews are really important. I mean, surely if you've got crews who are at the top of the game at that level, that's going to translate, you know, mm. to the next years. But obviously, when you have um, and again, I don't know how many rowers Rungi had on their program this year, but if you have 60 or 70 people turning up, you know, to row, you've got an advantage over the, the, the clubs with 27. Mm. And, you know, the fall-off rate is interesting. I can remember a few years ago, um, Rangi cancelled, so they, the, 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 one of the very few occasions where weather affected uh, the finals day, and in uh, in Twizel, the finals day was concertina, so everything was brought together. And Rangi cancelled the 17-8 that year. They stroked that they that they took them out of the main race, and that announcement went through on the Friday night. And you can imagine, uh, Mark, that for those girls who hadn't who were in their final year and hadn't made the 18-8, uh, that was going to be their moment. And they were scratched because the races were too close together. And the focus at that stage, mm. even though I've talked about Rangi having the focus on the underage crews, they wanted to win mm. the 18-8. And, and, and interestingly, they got second, but it created a hell of a you know, kerfuffle, as you can imagine. Mm. And it, it, again, it's just interesting. I always felt you, you have to trust the coaches. You well, have to go with the program. You, it is what it is. Yeah, you also just have to stand back sometimes and go, hey, it's school, and these kids are entitled to that opportunity. And so... There's that as well, and, and of course. It, and it is okay to lose <laughs> sometimes. Um, it, it, yeah, it, and, and, I, and look, that's the balance, and that didn't happen on that occasion. And I supported, I, I, you know, I supported the school... But gee whiz, you understand the disappointment because these girls have rode for four years and they've given their guts. Yeah, no, look, yeah, absolutely. It's interesting because I, I, when I was an athlete back in the day, a friend of mine who was a very good cyclist had come out of Westlake Boys and I, I wasn't aware of the significance of the story that he told me almost 30 years ago until yesterday. And now he was in a Westlake crew in 1991. They lost it by 0.9 of oh, a second to St. Beads. And St. Beads ran, ran them down. So the two Marty Cups that St. Yeah. Beads have won, they've both won by less than a second. Remarkable. <laughs> well, and, and and what a dramatic way for them to do it, and, and you know you were in, you were caught in no man's land waiting for the result. There, it's not easy. Oh no, no. And we, then it, we, but it's funny that just it's just part of the narrative now, isn't it? You know, and um, absolutely. Like, and the news have picked up on it, and it's like, hey, we we well, pretty much said, yeah, it's Hamilton. So you know, in hindsight, you go, okay, should we have, you know? But it is what it is. You saw the emotion of the Hamilton guys. You saw the disappointment of St. Bede's, and then yeah. suddenly everybody was just taken off guard. I mean, you heard, um, you, you know, you heard Alex screaming basically when he saw the result come up. So yeah, yeah but but it just I, yeah, the one thing, Mark, I would it. say, and I know we just 
chatting is, is, is I, I would say to your listeners, if you've never watched it, try and pin it down next year and put it on the YouTube, the live coverage. Mm. It, it, you know, if I hadn't been introduced into rowing until my daughter took part. Having said that, my, my, my wife's family, so my three nieces and nephews by marriage all won the Marty Cup at Christ College. So three boys, so three brothers, and they all won it in, in different years, which is quite an achievement. But I really do think that you know anyone would enjoy the coverage. It's spectacular, and to see these wonderful athletes giving everything for their schools, it's it's there's nothing else like it. Nothing. Yeah. Oh, look, I think it's the pinnacle event personally, um, yep. for both the boys and the girls. Uh, look, Garth, um, it is 16 minutes after eight. Can I get you to go and make a cup of tea, and then I can take a break and come back and talk cricket, or do you want to hang around and do it right now? Uh, look, I'll, look, I'm sitting in the hotel. Uh, there's no tea making facilities, but I will stand by. Is that okay? I just, I just want to. Of course. Just, I just want to bookend this because that conversation's been so good. I just want to come in cleanly now and do the cricket. <laughs> Let's do that. Okay, thanks, Garth. Cheers. We'll take a wee break. We'll come back with Garth Galloway. I do want to get Garth's thoughts on that T20 match played at Eden Park yesterday. It's Sixteen and a half minutes after eight. He's a man of many talents. We've just been talking the, the Aon Marty Regatta, talking all things rowing. Now we're going to turn it up and talk about a specialty subject. I sort of feel like I'm sitting there and doing one of those game shows. Garth Galloway's his name. Garth, evening. Back again. Welcome. Yes. <laughs> Hopefully I know a little bit more about cricket than rowing. I mean, oh, it will be apparent. That, that's the other thing about parents, you know, parents who have never rowed. They're all experts, but they haven't got a bloody clue, you know. <laughs> oh, hey, look, but that's, hey, that's where the passion, that's what it's all about, though, isn't it? We don't want to stop that. We can, yeah, just, yeah. We can say that across a lot of things, can't we? I mean, I sit here every day trying to be an expert across everything and probably know nothing. <laughs> hey, let's um, just firstly, the injury to Kane Williamson, how big a concern? Uh, it worries me a lot, actually. And you hear already the murmurings about uh, the World Cup, and, you know, that's in India and not too far away towards the end of the year. He, he is such an important part of that New Zealand side and I was just going through the, the numbers and the teams and looking at about how they might replace him if, if they have to. Um, yeah, it, it's it's worrying. It's such a sad thing to see because he's I think he's enjoyed not being test captain. Uh, there's, a free, there's a bit more freedom about the way he's playing. He's had a terrific season and you just felt that he deserved a good IPL with Gujarat with his new side, you know. Mm. It's it's tough, isn't it? It's a brutal game, and it, actually, it's surprising you don't see injuries like that more often when players are getting airborne over the boundary and you know and trying to save sixes and things. But fingers crossed for Kane. He's he's a great great player and a, a great um, a great leader of the lads and the white ball stuff. Okay, let's talk about this uh, game that ended up being tied one hundred and ninety six runs each. Well. New Zealand 196 for eight in reply to Sri Lanka's 196 for five. Is there room for a bowl-off? Do we need a bowl-off? Is it okay not just to finish the game? Is it tied? Uh, I, I quite like the bowl-off, to be honest. Oh, but, no. I, you know, yeah, I know you can... Yeah, no, I like it. I really... I, I approve, and, and especially when... Um, you know, I feel like for Sri Lanka, they've been on the back foot in the two tests. They didn't play the one-day series well. Uh, they probably should have got more than 196 for five. They were cruising along on eight. They just got, um, they seemed to just get stymied a little bit towards the end of their innings. And then De Silva came in and hit a, a couple of sixes to get them up to 196. Uh, it kind of felt like the, the right result. And I think for the crowd, it, it's really exciting. You know, you mm. see Sodi, all he's, he's got one option. 
he's got to hit it for six, and that just keeps New Zealand in the game. So I thought it was, um, yeah, I kind of, I know it's sporting, uh, you know, it's for the fans and all of those things, but I think the game lends itself to that. Yeah, no, I completely agree. If there's going to be a little anomaly, it's better at the T20 level. It is about entertainment. It is Correct. about taking the best parts of the game and trying to broaden the audience. So no, I, I, I'm with you on it. Do in terms of the game itself versus say the one day game, you run through this New Zealand lineup. You've got Chad Bowes, Tim Seifert, then you've got players like Mark Chapman. We've got Rushing Ravindra back in this side. Is the game mm. that different from the one day game? Therefore, it requires such change in terms of your players, your lineups. Well, you're missing the thing. The, the thing is that in the you're missing Allen, Conway, Williamson, Phillips, Santner, Salvi, and of course, you know Bolt, who who's doesn't seem to be favoured at all. But all of those players playing uh, disappearing overseas, and so that makes a huge difference. And in a way, I, I quite enjoy seeing New Zealand. You know, I've, I've said many times on your show that I think they should use series against weaker sides like Sri Lanka to experiment and not worry too much about the results. Uh, and so, you know, I, I do get a little bit surprised and frustrated when I see someone like Seifert coming back 42 games, he's averaged 22. You know, he's, it's an okay record. Um, I'm pleased to see uh, Bowles getting a, a run. I'd love to see him get some runs. You know, I, I just wish that New Zealand would be even more adventurous in their selections and try and bring some young players through into these games. But but in terms of the attack, it's nice to see Shipley getting a go. I thought he bowled pretty well. It's good to see him being put under pressure. He lost his length at the end of the innings and got hit for a couple of sixes. Um, and, and interestingly, Ravindra has been a little bit of a surprise in terms of his ability to hit the ball. 26 off 13, including two sixes. Didn't bowl, Mark. Um, and so, you know, again, He's a player who I think probably has more of a future. Well, I like him in white ball cricket, uh, but he needs to bowl a bit more. The fact that we can see sides scoring 200 in a T20 game and some saying that pitch was possibly even worth a lot more, is it, mm. is it just the players, because it's a T20 game, Do they? why is it they're capable of doing such extraordinary things in a T20 game yet appear to be a lot more limited or just seem to play with... Not as much freedom in a one-day game. Is it? Is it just purely come down to pitch? I mean, why do the bowlers get such a hammering in T20 cricket? I do think when you look at a pitch like that, um, if a test was played on it, uh, you know, the side batting, batting first with the ball coming on like that would score at a reasonable clip. Uh, I'm sure of that with uh, with attacking fields, looking for wickets, and so on. It's a mindset thing, though, as well. Um, again, I mean, there's no coincidence that the run rate in a T20 game will generally always be faster than a 50 over game and then in contrast in, you know, in relation to test cricket but you've seen the England test side and the way that they've played and at times averaging seven runs and over or six and a half runs and over during innings and certainly over five so and I think what they've shown is that if you try and bring that mindset into uh, the longer form of the game, then then you can be successful. You can increase the rate, but it also comes with risk. And so if you know, as we saw in the second innings at the Basin Reserve when uh, England won that, lost that test, and I think they did lose it. Uh, New Zealand won it, of course, but I think they threw it away. And we saw them continuing to try and play in that way, and it didn't work. And they muscled up to Wagner, and and, and really, um, I think it was a poor execution by them. Mm. But but yeah, it, I, there's, there's no reason. The, the only reason 
that that um, T20 scores are so quick as mindset, but they also lose wickets a lot faster, Mark. That's, mm. you know, and that, that, that there is a high risk element, and that's what happens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's still a game that compared to the other two forms is still relatively young in its evolution. But but how tactical is T20 yeah. cricket? Uh, well, I think probably more than people give it credit for. So, you know, I think if you, what would be fascinating for, for listeners and for you and for me would be to be inside a coaching camp with Fleming, coaching one of his teams or an IPL side uh, and just seeing how they do approach the game. I've always felt that obviously test cricket and 50 over cricket lend itself more and I compare them to, to you know playing chess and, and moving um, the pawns around and just making changes to see, you know, you've got less time with uh, T20, it's much more um, robust and I've always felt that the strategy is, you know, the strategies are harder to understand at times and you know less uh, well described or but but having said that i think that the skill levels and the margin for error you know the, the, the skill levels are high the margin for error is very low and so you know players and, and you see it with bowlers bowling you saw the new zealand side last night where all of the um the quicks went for 42 or 43 off their four overs they missed at times and they got hit. So Milne was 42, uh, Lister 43, and Shipley 43. So the margin for error just seems to be much finer, and players are much more aggressive. But but as I say, you're losing wickets. So it's you know, you, you, I don't think you could play a 50 over game in the same way that we're watching 2020 being played. Uh, we've seen batsmen though becoming more orthodox rather than just this. I think it, when it first came along, it almost like go up the take a couple of steps up the wicket and look to try and hit the ball for six every time. Yeah. But we are now starting to see, you know, at a micro level, more sort of, you know, some lovely stroke play mixed up with some sort of creative uh, cricket, like McCullum inventing yeah, the, the ramp shot. Yeah. I think I think if you look at how the, the batsmen are playing it and it would be interesting to go back and, and study it, but I do think that they are sometimes uh, you know, more still at the crease than they used to be. There was the charging down. The, you don't really see batsmen just flying down the crease anymore. They tend to stay, hold their position, and, and punch or smash or look to, to ramp or whatever. They, they premeditate a lot more than you do in any other form of the game, but the skill levels are just incredible. But mm. no, I do, I do think that there is... Um, there are, I mean, play, you watch players like Williamson and Root and those sorts of players, very successful at all versions of the game. But one of the things that's added to Test cricket so much is that they bring some of those shots into that form of the game. So, you know, I, I feel like the benefit across the whole game has been good. Yeah, it's been great for the evolution of the game. And I think this whole baseball thing is, you know, stemmed in the player's ability yeah. to play that comes from the fact that they've learned how to play it at a T20 level. Oh, look, I've just had a text coming in, and I'll make it sort of the, the final question. So how much room at the top of the order is there for an opening partnership to build an innings without being reckless? What, in a T20 game? In a T20 game, game we're like, talking can, about, like, can you Can you be five, oh. Can you be 25 without loss after five overs? Oh, I think that's a struggle now. I, I, you know, I, I think your power play is critical, and I think you, you know, sides are, are sixty for one or two. I, I, I don't think you mind losing a couple of wickets in the power play, but I really think unless you get off to that sort of seven or eight, nine, ten runs and over, you are struggling. So if you look at how the Sri Lankans did it yesterday, you know, they lost uh, Nasanka first ball, 
and you, you know you could be forgiven for thinking they're in a bit of trouble. But Mendes, so, so rather than just consolidating, you know, Mendes hit 25 off nine balls but it, it, mm. as the opening batsman. He had three fours and two sixes. Mm. Pereira was not out on 53 from 45 balls. They ended up 47 for two after three overs mm. and two balls. Mm. So no, I, I don't think you have time to build. I think you have to have, but, but I do think Williamson's been caught at times batting at three or four for New Zealand where he comes in. And if New Zealand have lost one or two wickets early on, I think they lose their confidence, whereas other sides might just push on and try. Okay. And I think that's that's the trick. The fact that most of the bowlers are going for eight, ten runs and over, is, is that a concern? Are kids wanting to still bowl? Are they still wanting to grow up and be fast bowlers? Or are they just looking at this going, hey, stuff that, I'd rather just be a batter? Let's go and row, you know, let's go to Marty. <laughs> um, <laughs> or, yeah, no, I think for me, um, I'd be encouraging my... Kids to bet. They both gave up far too early with cricket. But um, I mean, I think it's hard. It's, it's it's very hard. But these guys on their day, and, and you you adjust your expectations, don't you? So yeah, suddenly, you do. it's economies um, of scale. You might isn't look it? at yeah. Absolutely. And so you have to look at the pitches. You go Eden Park's hard and fast. So forty actually ten runs and over is okay. Mm. Um, it's it's when you get into sixteen, seventeen, eighteen runs and over, you know. But you do change your expectations. But again, so you're seeing very good bowlers now with an average of sort of eight runs and over off them. Um, you know, the best are around those sorts of averages. There aren't many at six and so on. So the game is changing and it's not in favour of the bowlers. Well, Garth Galloway, lovely to have you on the programme uh, as always. Enjoy your time in your hotel room and I look forward to doing it again, my good man. Thanks, Mark. I really enjoyed it. And, and if I could say, and I'm sorry, to, I don't want to blow smoke, but I do. Uh, I just wanted to congratulate you for your Marty Cup, uh, you know, for the coverage. It was fantastic. And... Uh, to, to do the hard work that you do and uh, deliver to that sport as you did, it, it's a fine thing. And I hope you get back there many times in the future yeah, and I'll be oh, tuning in and enjoying it. Oh, look, Garth, I mean, we had some sound issues, clearly, but look, it's schoolboy yeah, it's school, it's school, it's school rowing. You want you want to make it special for them. And uh, when I say schoolboy, I mean girls as well. But you, you Don't want forget to, the girls. Yeah, no, I just said that. and you want to, But you do want to make it special for them. And you want to, that might be their greatest moment of their sporting careers. But also I thought it was yep. important too when you've got a guy like Alex there to talk to him, to ask him about the sport, to get him to take us through how you set a boat up and some of the technical side of it. And so, you know, people come away with a, a little bit more knowledge and I think sometimes that's important. And, you know, some sports lend itself. Test cricket's one of those sorts of sports. Um, but, you know, you've yeah. got 2,000 yeah. metres, you've got a six, seven-minute race. I think there is time. Good stuff. Well, look, I hope your listeners are still awake and um, lovely to talk. Yeah, thank you, Garth. Garth Galloway there, <laughs> t- talking all things rowing, talking all things cricket. It is 26 minutes away from 9 o'clock. Look, we've um, only really hit to 9 and then Ben takes over and he's going to put the spotlight and focus on darts. Uh, it's called the Oki. But if you want to have your say on the two Super Rugby shows we had, I mean, we had Wyatt Crockett on earlier. Uh, look, if you live in Christchurch, if you're a St. Bede's person, uh, you went to Rangiruru, uh, you're down even just at the Marty Cup, some of the smaller schools doing really good on the small boats, love to just hear from you. 0800 150 811 is the number. I think Graham's probably out there. Graham's phoning up right now. 0800 150 811 is the number. It is 22 minutes away from 9 o'clock, 0800 150 811 is the number. Graham, good evening, welcome. Oh, good day, Mark, how are you? Good, thank you. Yeah, great shows tonight. I love, uh, before I get on to Garth, um, yeah, great interview with White Crockett just over an hour ago. Yeah, top man, yeah. 
Oh, look, it, it's, it's interesting just finding out that stuff, you know, like Lucy and Tighthead. I've always, you know, it's good coming from those guys to try and give you an idea. Well, it's a bit like your left hand versus your right hand. I thought it was a really nice analogy. Absolutely, yeah. No, he's a great guy. And um, you know, I loved the bit when he, just as he finished, and you said, go the Crusaders. I thought, jeepers, that's like... I heard that, and I thought that that's, that must be recorded. Of course, you well, hey, I'm doing I'm doing a Crusaders show, therefore I have yeah. a responsibility. I put all personal <laughs> stuff to one side, and I do the job asked of me. Graham, if they tell me to be an opinionated a hole, I'm happy to do that. If they want me to do love songs to midnight, Graham, I can sing little love songs in your ears too. Oh, I know. Yeah, no, no. I just thought <laughs> it was quite funny. Just, yeah. No, it was good. Oh, I mean this in a tongue in cheek way. No, it was, yeah. no it's yeah. great. No, no, it was a very good pro. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I enjoyed Garth's um, interviews about the rowing and, and the cricket, obviously. Um, yeah, and I could listen to him just about on any subject, really. But you, you, you live just around the corner for St. Bede's. One of the great performances, mate. Really, really was, yeah. Graham. It was remarkable what they did. Yeah, um, I have a lot of links there to the uh, cousin of mine's high up in rowing. He's at St. Bede's, you know, he's at quite very high in, in rowing. Yeah, he would have been there at the Marty Carp here. Um, yeah, and he'd be very happy with what happened, you know, for the Canterbury schools generally, but particularly his old school, some beads, yeah, no, and no, well, no, what, a couple what, of those boys in that rowing team, yeah. What people don't realise, mate, 76 years, only 17 schools have ever etched their name on that trophy. Um, number of only ever done it once. Some great schools have never done it. I mean, you think about Auckland Grammar and the resource they've got, only ever won it twice. So St Bede's sit alongside of them. St Gennigan's here in Auckland, who are a powerhouse, who live right on the waterways, who've got all the money and facilities, have never, yeah, yeah. Have never ever won it. Um, Unbelievable. You know, King's College, the last time they won the Marty Cup was back in 1960. So it gives you an idea of how hard it is to win. But to win it in the way that race was won, um, those young men out of St. Bede's, you know, they'll be having 20-year reunions, 30-year reunions. You know, they'll have their photos up on the wall at St. Bede's and they'll probably be etched in the history box as members of the greatest ever Marty Cup race ever raced. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I didn't see it or hear it, but I heard all about it, and I, and I thought it was just incredible, and a lot of people were commenting on it, and um, and I know people that have done rowing and people that have children rowing, and, um, you know, they you've talked about this a lot uh, with um, your, uh, you know, the tri, tri, you know, tri sports, you know, the same, that level of de- dedication, you know, I mean, getting up, as Gas talking about his daughter, um, you know, biking up... <laughs> You know, Dyer's Fast Road and Lincoln Road and through the park, and then you do your rowing, then you're going to school all day, and then you yeah. back up again yeah. in the morning to do it all again. You know, I mean, well, it's, you, it's you, swimming, you, the same. You imagine putting weights above your head and doing 200 consecutive, absolutely perfect sort of star jumps, you know, and with just incredible amount of explosion. I mean, it's just a brutal sport. You'll hear it. If you go on YouTube and watch the final, um, which I recommend do, not not because I get the call, but it just it ends up being one of the great races, I say, you know, and, and I've got a limp oh, inside of me. Else? You've got, you know, you literally have bonfires in your legs and you are breathing razor blades, mate. And, and yes, it can be a bit cliched coming from me, but it's true. That's exactly what is going no. on. Yep. No, absolutely, you know, and just um, that, and, and a lot of people get burnt off, but rowers are a very tight group community, you know, um, you know, I just know that through my cousin and, and, and through just people that are currently with kids and that, and rowing, you know, it's an incredibly, yeah, they, they're a band of brothers and sisters, really, and they get up and, you know, and they do it for their club, school, you know, and on to, you know, and that's, what, that's why we are, 
what we are at New, you know in world rowing at the Olympics and Commonwealth Games. I mean, particularly the Olympics, because um, it has that. You know, Hamilton boys are the same. You know, I mean, they have that. The same as the Christchurch schools and and the, and the Auckland schools they have that legacy of, um, of of competition that leads to the top. Right. And what what they achieve, yeah. But also on what Garth had to say about the cricket, yeah. I mean, um, yeah, Kane Williamson's injury, look, yeah. Um, but like some of the rugby injuries we see at the moment, but yeah. I mean, with the World Cup coming up, yeah, that's a bit of a a big, bit, bit more than a bit of a worry. It's a massive worry, but um, we'll see what happens there. Yeah, I agree with them about Cyford too. I mean, they still they still do some odd selections to me like that but well, I mean it's, yeah, almost, it's the, almost it's almost you sort of sense it's almost a little bit of a trial at the moment isn't it and that's sort of how it feels it's a little bit like a oh, trial yeah. hey um, I just just quickly Graham, I just wanted to get your quick thoughts because it was interesting uh, listening to Wyatt Crockett um, boy he absolutely didn't he he had big raps on to Mighty Williams yep and he also um, had big raps on your locks coming through Dominic Bird. Oh, Dominic Gardner. Dominic Gardner, my apologies, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Angus Gardner's son. Yeah, yeah. for the loose forward for the Crusaders. Yeah, I uh, know, oh, I've got huge... Yeah, I think he, he's eats some beads, um, funnily enough. Dominic Gardner, he was head boy there, like 219. But yeah, um, yeah, he's... Uh, well, yeah, I think he is an exceptionally good footballer, high work rate, you know, great in the line-out around the field. Um, and... Um, you know, I think he'll be an all-black, and to Mighty Williams is, um, yeah, I mean, he's fine down each year he's been here. You know, he's a big, he was good when he first came, you know, from down from Northland. Um, we get a few guys from Northland here, and they, uh, you know, and incred- yeah, but he is, yeah, he's really just, I mean, now he's playing on both sides, and he's fine down so much, and yeah, um, he, you know, he's he, a beast. He's a tall man, a metre 96. Oh, yeah, he's very tall. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's a human... Yeah, he's a wrecking ball. He's, he's, scrum, sort of, he's, but, almost, he's almost sort of a Wyatt Crockett, isn't he? He's a little unconventional. Oh, he is. Yeah, well, Wyatt was a very tall yeah. prop here. Yeah. Well, no, Wyatt, um, Wyatt was picked on by the referees, wasn't he? Because of his height, he almost created a bit of an illusion that he was never set quite right, but it was just because he sort of broke the traditional mould of a prop. That's right, yeah. No, he used to get picked on a bit. Um, yeah, especially early in his career. And then, he, you know... He'd, you know, he, you know, he got him in the 215 World Cup squad, and you know, after missing out in 211, and you know, mm. he's another example of mm. tenacity winning. Mm. But you know, and he did was great, so so good for the Crusaders. Um, you know, just a great team man. But uh, yeah, no, interesting about Tomaty Williams. Yeah, I think he's going places, but you see, we'll see what happens as far as you know what. What's the props? Because the situation is um, interesting, to say the least, with the injuries at the moment. So yeah. it could be an opening there for the likes of Williams, or you'd like to think so. But oh, I, look, I, I just based on what Wyatt Crockett said, I'd take him to the World Cup just based on what he does around the field, the mobility. You've got a Tucky Aha. We've got to have those guys. Hey, look, Graham, I've got to move on. Lovely to have you on the program as always. Yeah, good man, Mark. Have a good night. Yeah, thank you. 13 and a half minutes away from nine o'clock. You are listening to SENZ. We will take a break. We will come back with more. It must be my cue. Uh, look, I um, just want to congratulate the Warriors. I'm, um, I've been brutal on them, and I think they've deserved the brutality they've got over the years. They've been nothing more than an absolute shambles, a Mickey Mouse outfit, to be honest. Uh, but look, you know, they've won four from five. And Warriors fans, I hope you are enjoying it. It's been tough, and I know there are a lot of Warriors fans out there, and I know that when you were down by 20, or we were down by 20 points, and I still think they're my team. Are they my team? I think they're my team. Um, 
down by 20 points to nil, everybody's going, oh no, here we go. And we were just fearing like the 60 to 70 point blowout, weren't we? And they came back and won this thing to 32-30. Um, really, really good, really good. So genuinely, enjoy it. Um, am I convinced? <laughs> I've been been burnt so badly now that I still have my reservations, I guess. I, I hope I'm genuinely proved wrong. Um, but I need to see this team after about round 15 and sort of get an idea when, you know, injuries start to add up and, you know, you've played required to get yourself up mentally sort of 15 consecutive weeks in a row bar the bye. Do they still have a bye round or is there enough teams now? I'm not sure, is it? Yeah, still a bye round. Uh, so, so well done. And look, um, Sean Johnson, breath of fresh air with that interview where he just comes out and says, oh, um, yeah, we were saying, no, I think the words were, we were saying some silly shit at uh, the halftime break and he was laughing and he was using the word bro and I'm like, you know, that's nice, mate. At least just be yourself. None of this sort of conformity, this cookie-cutter approach to doing these media interviews that we see in rugby and see in so many sports. You've heard me say this before, mankind is flawed. So sport, stop trying to present a product believing that we're all of the highest moral standing, that we're all perfect, and therefore everything they do and everything that we need to see needs to be absolutely 100% on your best behaviour. Rubbish. We don't mind the flaws. We're not going to walk away from the game if some guy ends up in the media because he's, you know, doing something, you know, recreational drugs or has got himself caught in some sort of sexual lewd act or whatever. I mean, it's not great. It's not a good look for the sport. But, hey, I think most people sit there and go, hey, these guys are young men and some of them are not that damn bright and... You know, there are a lot of temptations and some of them are going to fall into it. I think most of us can accept that. And we move on and we, and you know, and hopefully the player learns from it and they move on. I, I just get sick and tired of sport taking everything, all the flaws out of it and then expecting us somehow to still have some high level of engagement. I, I was just watching, I had TV3 on in here. Uh, my son was on the um, 7 o'clock show on a news piece and I just wanted to see if he was on and he was but then they have straight after I think it's was it Married at First Sight it's amazing how many people watch that why do people watch it because it's a damn train wreck that's why it is just a damn train wreck they just set it up for this thing to be a train wreck and then they edit it and it's a train wreck but people love it sport need to learn from that bring us a train wreck bring us the good bring us the great bring us the brilliant Bring us the history, bring us the nostalgia, but also bring us the train wreck. You need to have all of those different narratives. And that is what rugby's forgotten. That is what so many sports have forgotten in this country. And they wonder why the crowds continue to diminish. There was nobody there, really. I mean, that game against the Chiefs, the Blues Chiefs, that should have been a sellout in Hamilton. The game against the Crusaders at Eden Park should have been a sellout. They're not. The Crusaders-Chiefs game, opening round of Super Rugby, should have been a sellout. It wasn't. Ask yourself why. And you know what it is? Put married, put, was it married? No, I was going to say married with children. Married at first sight is actually, it's an indictment on society. But look, it is what it is. People love that stuff. That's why they buy these gossip magazines. That's why tabloids are so popular. We love a train wreck. We'll all pretend we don't, but we love a train wreck. 
It's those same people. It's too cool to love ABBA. Get a few drinks down them, the song comes on, and they're all sort of moving to ABBA, aren't they? Grow up, sport. Stop treating us like we're perfect. We're not. Well done to Sean Johnson. Well done for bringing some life to a post-match interview, finally. Well done to the Warriors. Really, really pleasing to see. Coming up next, it is the Oki with Ben. Following that, there is a tennis show. It's been a privilege and a pleasure having your company. Hopefully we get to do it all again tomorrow night. Special thanks to Wyatt Crockett for In the Red, talking Crusaders, and then Peter Alatini talking Pacific Flair. Tomorrow night we will look at the Highlanders. We'll also look at the Chiefs. Ian Jones in studio between 7.30 and 8.00.